Hello, my name's Alex Hammer, and welcome to Alex Listens, a podcast about philosophy, politics, and mental health. Not too long ago, I had the pleasure of sitting down with one of my favorite content creators, Aurelia St. Clair. If you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know that this term content creator is something that I like to pick apart and make fun of, but it is something that formed the core discussion of our conversation. We spoke about the ridiculousness of being a content creator, how often, you know, beginning the journey as a content creator involves doing many, many, many other things. You know, having a full-time job on the side, having a part-time job on the side, having three casual jobs on the side in order to, you know, afford to make these videos for TikTok and Instagram. Then, of course, we moved on to the topic of discussing NAM or Melbourne's ridiculous and idiosyncratic trends. I mean, how could I have a conversation with Aurelia without talking about this kind of stuff? Aurelia and I also spoke about how much hatred and how much anger there is online, especially when people don't agree with you. And on the topic of not agreeing with people, of course, we spoke about cancel culture, this amorphous, confusing, sometimes helpful, sometimes completely destructive phenomenon that emerges and then disappears and then reemerges again. Now, before you listen to the interview with Aurelia, I've got a few things to mention. First of all, if you enjoy my podcast, there are a number of ways that you can support it. You can leave a review on whatever platform you're using on Spotify, you know, five stars, 500 stars, whatever on Apple podcasts, you know, the deal. Secondly, you can support me on Patreon or PayPal. And, you know, this will allow me to keep making podcasts, videos, you know, this kind of stuff more regularly. And this is all self-funded, the work I do. So any financial support would be greatly appreciated and will be directly channeled back into the work that I make. And last but not least, uh, I'm doing a public interview series with a few interesting people. Um, And so if you live in Nam, in Melbourne, uh, these might be interviews that interest you. I'm going to be interviewing Rona, who is a First Nations DJ and also founder of Common Grounds, um, which is an incredible NGO. Uh, And I'll also be interviewing one of Australia's foremost psychiatrists uh he founded headspace um and origin which is another kind of mental health body and is a big advocate for early intervention into youth mental illness and his name is patrick mcgorry um tickets are going on sale very soon uh, and there'll be a link in my bio where you can find all the details to patreon paypal and also ticket sales Oh, and I forgot to mention that, obviously, you know, you can follow me on social media, links below, at Alex Hamo on every platform. Hope you enjoyed the interview. So, hey, Aurelia, what's up? Hey, thanks so much for having me, Alex. Oh, thanks for coming. Excited to have a chat yeah, with what a, a, a Melbourne icon. <laughs> what a treat. I feel like this is, surely, this is like the, the collab. This is the collab everyone in Nam has been waiting for, and we are here to deliver. I hope so. <laughs> I feel like between the two of us, we have received like the most insane amount of hatred and like shit on every single platform for talking about this city. It's insane how like people will love what you say and they're like, oh my God, um, I'm obsessed with this take you did on that. I agree 100%. And then other people will be like, um, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. This is not true. Um, just so polarizing. It's insane. Um, did you like, how did you get into creating content about Nam? Like what was like, has that always been something you've done? Or is this like something that came with TikTok or... It was just kind of random. Um, I'd been on TikTok for a while. I guess we all have. Um, Just making really random content, like without a plan. And I guess I still don't really have like a plan. Like I'm not one of those people who watches those. Here's how to optimize your TikTok blah blah (laughs) videos. Because I'm like, I'm too late. Like it takes the joy out of it. Yeah. And I just want to talk about what I want to talk about. but one day I was at work. Um, if you work with me, you didn't hear this. <laughs> but I was at work and I saw that filter that like removes your eyebrows. And it was mm. like a trend in that week. And I was like, oh my God, I look 
just peak Brunswick share <laughs> and so I made a TikTok about that and it kind of like blew up for for me like when whenever I say blow up I feel ridiculous because I have such a small account like in the grand scheme of TikTok but for me it was huge mm. I feel like I got like you know more than 100 likes pretty quickly which had never happened to me before and I was like what's happening mm. and then I just um, used a filter and I was just talking about other suburbs that I thought fitted it and mm. um, and from there it just like evolved whoa yeah. <laughs> damn yeah I feel like I I got TikTok in September of last year mm. and had never made like had never been on it like didn't really know how to use the app like you know had heard a lot about it but hadn't like spent much time on it and I made one video about the AFL grand final and it got like a hundred thousand views. Oh my god! Like, straight away. Yeah, straight away. And it was like the most. I'm not joking. It was like, like I'm pretty anxious, mm. and it was like the most anxiety-inducing experience ever. Because like, unlike Instagram, where it's like most of the time the same people seeing your shit again and again and again. Mm. Like, you know, there were like a thousand comments from like everyone across the country. Like people who were like politically literate people who were like you know like politically volatile and like extremely hostile people who were just like talking about random shit and i was like this is a fucking jungle like no Mm -hmm. one gives a fuck on this platform people are literally saying whatever they want it's insane how like the comment section in tiktok is the only honest place on the internet um and it feels like the app is like this mix of I want to say like YouTube and Instagram if YouTube and Instagram had a baby because it's all those I don't know if you ever got into like people just doing commentary and like video essays on YouTube Mm. it's like something I really like and that I'd like to get into but it just takes a lot more Mm -hmm. because when you watch a YouTube video you do want it to be of a certain quality and you want the setup to be nice and the lighting needs to be adequate and blah 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 um, while with TikTok, it's like you see things go viral. That's literally the worst film filmmanship you've ever seen in <laughs> your life. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 That's like, you're right. That's totally a reason why I also like the platform. Cause mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty lazy <laughs> and I tried to make YouTube videos for a while, but like, you're right. The, the standard for like a good YouTube video is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people have crazy studio setups and crazy cameras and yeah. the lighting and like they script things. Like on TikTok, I literally pick up my phone and I'm like, man, man, man. And then like yeah, post same, it. Yeah. Same. I'm like, no thoughts. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll like do it one or t- once or twice again, just in case <laughs> I fucked up something. Yeah. But otherwise it's just straight from the camera. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. And people like, people don't care they're just like great yeah you know this is like it's like talking to a friend yeah Mm. yeah it is whoa so like you started on tiktok making these videos about various suburbs in in nam and that's one thing you do but you also do like comedy and writing and you work and you run and like (laughs) what like what (laughs) how do you do all this stuff um sometimes i honestly don't know um, so yeah, I do work like a nine to five job um, because I like living by myself. And um, so yeah, that takes up 40 hours of my week, pretty much. I do stand up comedy. Um, I just did a comedy festival. So that was pretty exhausting because mm. I was working my nine to five. But then every night I was performing like six nights a week. Are you serious? Yeah. So I did 22 shows in total. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm dead. Um, but usually in like my sort of average week, like next week I'm doing like two comedy gigs. So I usually do like maybe two or three a week, mm. um, after work. And, um, I also used to have a podcast, but we've kind of put it on hold. We'll probably bring it back, um, next month. Mm. And my writing is... It's a little bit all over the place because, as I said, I just finished the comedy festival, but um, I want to write a book and a play. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, but um, it's probably like a year-long, two-year-long project rather than something you can expect to drop 
like soon. Hey, you never yeah. know. You never know, true. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like after the lockdowns, people have, some people have developed some like wild routines where they're like writing, you know, like thousands of words a day. <laughs> I need to get onto that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, yeah, I did not develop good routines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not a writing routine, but <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Damn, that's a lot of stuff. So like maybe we'll begin. Well, what do you think is like, what's the central thing that links all of the things you do? Is it like comedy? Is it politics? Is it like identity? Mm. What What do you think is like the central the thread? Um, I, that's such an interesting question. Um, I guess the central thread is me. <laughs> mm. um, I also think we've grown more accustomed to people having multiple interests and that not being a problem or it almost being expected Mm. at some point because now like it feels like you can't just be um let's say you can't just be a model you also have to be an activist Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like model slash body positive activist (laughs) like that's what it is now and you you don't even have to be body positive uh, this is just an example Mm. i'm I'm not attacking any one particular person um where you could be a comedian but you also you're probably also an actor and an improviser (laughs) because you need to have like a finger in every pie um but for me um, and I think for a lot of people, I do enjoy lots of different things. So, mm. um, I love stand up because it allows me to talk about the things I want to talk about to a wider audience outside of TikTok. Mm. <laughs> and it's also just a different muscle. Um, so when I make a TikTok, what's funny there might not be funny on stage and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. So like... One really interesting thing you brought up is this, um, this like pressure that I also feel mm. of having to keep up like an infinite number of things at the same time. Um, and like, I think you're right. It has, especially for people who are like creatively inclined, it feels like ultimately there is no choice but to do many different things yeah, because like the financial reward for like creative work is often like limited and Mm. like happens very infrequently and so like you have to have like a million different things happening to get by especially like you know as you said if you want to live by yourself if you like want to you know be able to do things with your life um and like travel or whatever you want to do like you really have to be like you know taking a number of different things seriously and like I guess coping with the fact that maybe some of the things you do like for example this podcast Mm. has been like you know um my dad one day was like what are your sources of income and I was like uh and he was like how much have you made from the podcast and I was like oh my god I haven't even thought about that and I was like literally my hourly rate for the podcast would be like less than five cents Mm-hmm. Like like a lot less than five cents, yeah. which is like like it's amazing. But I, like I love it. I I feel like there's also a value of not monetizing everything you mm-hmm. do because I mean with stand up comedy, I feel like people don't know a lot about it that aren't in the scene. So like nine out of ten stand up gigs I do um, won't be paid, and if it pays, sometimes it's like twenty dollars. <laughs> so I'm not doing stand-up comedy for the money mm. um, and then you know in the comedy festival you can't I do have the opportunity to make more money because I'm doing 22 shows you know and like I'm actually like selling tickets and stuff but uh, 11 months out of the year I'm not really making a lot of money with it at all mm. definitely not enough to support myself and um, I still do it because of my love for it um and there's so many other hobbies people have like knitting Mm. and now like knitting is fucking commercial (laughs) you know like anything is commercial now and like part of me like despises it and Mm. then there's also the part that's like oh my god that's amazing if someone's really good at knitting they can make that their job now Mm. but um Mm. yeah it's kind of like 
uh, I don't know if it's a win-win or lose-lose situation. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Mm. Like, I often think about what the objective of the things I do, like what the objective is. Mm. Like, you know, is the objective to turn everything into something that can produce money? Mm. Like, and I was thinking this, I've been thinking this about social media a lot recently. Like, why am I actually on there? Like, am I on there to like, to be on there until the point where I can generate it, like a, you know, like a consistent income from it. Am I on there to distract myself from my life? Like what, why, you know, like what, what's the point of like, <laughs> I feel like the reason why I started studying philosophy was because I was asking myself like these random questions and then five years of philosophy have gone by and I've kind of like, I mean, like those questions are stupid like you can't answer them and now all of a sudden like coming out of the lockdown i'm like why do i do like why do i do anything yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, i've like completed this like funny circuit and i'm back where i began being like what's the meaning of life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but that's actually funny and while i was preparing for this interview i read a few like online interviews that you'd done mm -hmm. and there was one with mtv and they asked you what the meaning of life was and oh it, yeah and your answer was pretty funny what did i say i was like kissing babes something like that <laughs> yeah. yeah kissing babes <laughs> and making making shmoney <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> do you still stand by that um i guess so <laughs> nice i think um those are important questions to ask yourself i think there's a lot of people who haven't thought about the things you just said. And then there are those of us who are plagued um, with the question of like, why are we here? And for me, the things I really care about are feeling loved and loving what I'm doing and, and a person, ideally. Mm. If not, that's okay. But right now I do, and it's really a nice feeling. Mm. And I don't think like money, money is the most important thing in, in life. I think that's why I said money. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, you want to travel, you want to live by yourself. You sort of have certain um, things in your life that make your life better and make your life worth living. Mm. And for me, that might be, I don't know, getting an ice latte every now and then or paying my rent on time and not stressing about that and for that I need money and that's mm. okay um and it doesn't need to be like I don't need to be a millionaire it would be nice but I just want to be at a point where I can like pay for everything I need to live and then a little bit extra to to live live mm. and that's that's the sweet spot mm. Mm. oh and you said you work full time mm. um and like uh, nine or ten weeks ago, I started like a full-time software engineering course, which is like the most random, one of the most random decisions I've made. And it's <laughs> like 8.30 until 5, 8, 8.30 until like 6.30, like Monday to Friday Fuck. in class the whole time. Wow, that's a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's been really intense. Um, and I've never really, like I've been at uni. I was at uni for like seven years in a row. Um, and like obviously worked like I did I worked like you know casually through uni but I've never really done something that like involves being at a desk and paying attention in that way for so many hours and so like when you said you know like making money to live and then having a bit extra on the side to like live live I feel like working for so many hours for me has like fully taken away my ability to live live mm. i feel like it's gone like when i finish class and like finish the homework i'm dead yeah like i literally just like go to that couch right there <laughs> yeah and like lie there and like like recede into the couch and become this like crumpled like smushed <laughs> creature for a few hours and then i'm like oh like i have needs like i need to shower i need mm. to eat and then like I fall asleep and then repeat for like weeks. It's been like 10 weeks of this. How long is this course? 12 weeks. Okay, so okay. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. No, I feel you. I feel that. I've felt that way too. Mm. I think 
I briefly mentioned comedy festival. That was me then. Like, yeah, that's amazing. All I could Six do, nights a week. Yeah, and then I'd come home and be like, mm, time to sleep and repeat. <laughs> and you're right. When you do have a job that requires you to be really switched on and maybe also something that requires you to really think deeply um i couldn't i couldn't do that and do everything else i do mm -hmm. and i think um i've been careful <laughs> choosing my jobs in the past like looking back now I'm like i've always kind of chosen a kind of job where i don't think about it after i finish work And I want to be one of those people who's like, um, I'm just like doing work email. No, no, it's uh, five o'clock, maybe a little bit after five if I got distracted and didn't get everything done and then I'm, I'm done. And it's a job I can work from home mm. and um, on my lunch break, I do my little errands and do my laundry and then mm -hmm. um, it really fits around my life in a nice way. Yeah. Mm. Do you like, do you feel like having something that takes up, you know, nine to five for five days a week? Do you feel like that's something that you want to be present in your life going forwards? Or would you prefer like to have less, you know, work that isn't like your passion? Unless, unless your day job is your passion. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I... Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, some people do really have a day job that's their passion. Mm. And I don't understand. <laughs> Neither. I don't um, understand. I want to make my passion my, like, full-time thing. Um, and that's... I think it's something I can achieve within the next few years. How quickly will... I mean, will depend on a few things, um, myself, of course, but also external factors. But I'm really hoping that within the next two years, I can quit my day job. Mm. Yeah, that's the goal. Well, what would it look like making your passion into full-time work? Like, do you have an idea of what the changes, what changes would need to take place? Like, mm, um, Yeah, I was actually, this morning I went for a run and um, I listened to a nike guided runs like every time i run oh really every, yeah are they good they're very good for me yeah oh, well, i like I'll have them to try it. um there's different like themed ones and some of them are kind of like not i want to say inspirational but that gives the it, day see that <laughs> that just gives it like the wrong vibe um sometimes it is like a little bit like that but this one was something about goals it was like a goal-based run and um It's this like Nike running coach and then like the founder of Headspace. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, and they're just having a chat. And then every now and then they're like, you're halfway done. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, am I? And I haven't really thought about running because mm -hmm. I've been listening. And while they talked about this goals related to running or anything, one thing I really liked was looking at the steps leading towards your goal as part of the goal mm. so for me um doing content creation full time um what i need to do that i know i need to do is i need to post consistently i'm not going to follow like one of those plans uh those tiktok gurus have but in my mind i can you know just be like i'm going to post maybe three times a week and maybe, then maybe more and then um, the next thing would be kind of getting more paid um, collaborations and partnerships and then um, at my stand-up show next year in a, com in a Melbourne comedy festival I could also do Adelaide and Sydney mm. this year I didn't do that and if I continue to like build my online following and do those other cities that's a whole like crowd I haven't tapped into and tickets I could sell there um, and then thinking further, um, I could, I have a newsletter that I currently send out monthly, sometimes not even monthly if like I don't have the time, but if I was more consistent with that, I could probably send one out definitely every month, maybe every two weeks, maybe every week, uh, I could introduce a, pa a paid tier. Mm. Um, so you're kind of just moving towards little things that all add up mm. to, 
uh, kind of come all together to the same amount of money you'd be making in a nine to five. Mm. Um, but it's a daunting <laughs> and it's, it's hard work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm. It is such hard work. Like, and I, I mean, that's a pretty incredible plan that you've devised. Mm. Like it, it sounds like, you know, if, if this is something that you're enjoying and that you stick to, I'm certain that it is going to become something that you're able to do mm. full time and like comfortably live off because it seems like what's amazing about social media is that like if you develop, if you like, if you develop an online identity that people enjoy, it seems inevitable that there will be like, that you'll be able to like earn an income from it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. Like, it's I, insane. Unless you like, to, unless someone does like something horribly wrong mm. and gets like you know cancelled or like deplatformed <laughs> or something. But then, then again, they'll be back three months later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone will have forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. She got cancelled. Um. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been it's been two weeks. And remember been, what the other person I, did. And I remember <laughs> she was kind of funny, like yeah. you know, second chances. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So funny. Um. Yeah. No, that's like that's really, it's really nice hearing you speak about like this plan that you have in, like, an earnest and sincere way. Because I think like. It feels like a lot of people in um, like mock the like online creator identity. Mm-hmm. Agree. Like thing, like people, like why the f- you know why the fuck would you do that? Like it's so toxic. Like you have so much time on your phone, and maybe there is some there is like truth behind that. Like you know, if you're not if you're not careful with the boundaries that you set up, like you know, sometimes I feel awful if I've spent too much time on my phone, but at the same time, like. It's immensely rewarding, like making something and being able to share it with people so effectively. And like, that's why I'm like moving further and further away from going back to uni Mm. and like pursuing a career in academia. Because like, what am I going to do? Write a journal article? Like, who the fuck's going to read that? Yeah, exactly. Nobody reads those journals until, like, I just, I feel like there's a lot of academics on TikTok and YouTube now bringing their work onto those platforms mm. because they want more than 10 people to read it mm. yeah 10 people who are like yeah in like random ivory towers <laughs> in like different parts of the world right yeah uh. so so lonely um but yeah like i think i wonder what it would take for people to seriously appreciate like the complexity of being a content creator because like out of all the jobs I've ever done, making content is the most challenging by far, like by so far, because like, if you don't, if you're not putting effort into it, you make shit content. And like, if you put a lot of effort into it and you think you've come up with something really good, most of the time it it isn't going to hit. And Mm. you're like, what the fuck have I been spending like this week doing? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so there's such a fine line between like, you know, something that, totally like goes over people's heads and then like something that really sticks and it's really hard finding that that balance i agree yeah and also the thing about like people not seeing it as a thing that's worth doing Mm. um which is so frustrating because we all consume content even the people who are shitting on it are on their phones consuming that content and engaging with it in one way or another Mm. um and yet some people can't see it as a thing that's worth doing and it's like no it is yeah it is because like you know especially it's especially worth pursuing by those people who aren't like white anglo-saxons in australia because like we have enough of that (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, we've got we've got so much of that so much of it and also the thing you said about it being rewarding like I, as much hate as I get sometimes, sometimes like the messages that are like positive and where people are like, oh, I, um, someone's like, oh, I avoided going to comedy festival because 
I didn't see any acts that like looked like me or that represented me. Like, thank you for putting on the show. And I'm like, oh my God, somebody did actually like it. Aww. Or it just like encourages you to keep going. And mm. you see um, as well when, when I, my reach kind of um, got bigger, like when I <laughs> didn't just have followers who I kind of knew, um, the amount of random messages I get about like anything I post is kind of insane but then sometimes it's someone sharing something that's kind of almost like personal or close to their heart and they feel safe mm. saying that to me and that's nice mm. yeah how have you found like how have you found that people sharing like very intimate and personal things with you like people who don't know you have you found that like a complex thing to navigate or has it been something that like has made you feel like validated for making people feel so comfortable like what's been your experience there mm, there's definitely a validation there i won't deny that um and it feels good feeling like you're a safe space for someone um and also i i guess i was thinking on how i interact with people online like there's definitely accounts that I really love and where I might like reply to a lot of their stuff but I personally wouldn't really write something so personal mm -hmm. um, but that's just who I am you know um, but even to think that maybe somebody out there is maybe not so inclined to share stuff but they do it with me I'm like oh that's nice mm -hmm. you know um, mm -hmm. and yeah just realizing that uh, people care about what you say because um, in your day-to-day -day, you you're obviously surrounded by the people you surround yourself with sometimes they don't even care about what you say <laughs> um, and then you're online and you're just talking shit and someone's like oh I I love that and this this was like a, a good thing for me to see right then and there mm. or they hate it um, so like not as good but still you're getting a reaction and that's kind of part of the human experience now Mm. Mm. yeah wow that's such like i think i've spoken to a few people who make content and i don't think i've heard a response like yours before because i think which is really nice like i think um like for example i interviewed flex mummy um like a, a content creator a few months back mm -hmm. um and like she's got a huge following like you know 150,000 or something yeah I'm one of them I'm a close friend subscriber oh my god actually <laughs> I am yeah. whoa yeah. okay me too <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it yeah, yeah it's amazing yeah. it's amazing um but you know she was like people are in my dms like you know sharing like very intimate things and she's like you know when I first started making content I would engage with everyone and respond to all the messages but after a while it just became so overwhelming and she took this like yeah really like i guess uh really like it seemed like a, a very self-aware stance coming from her where she was like i don't have the emotional energy to like shoulder all of these things that people are sharing with me so like I'm, i just can't engage with it mm. like i don't know them i'm not their friend yeah like if they feel safe if they feel comfortable around me like sick mm. but like I don't have the capacity to like be this like universal friend. Absolutely. And I definitely think once you hit a certain number mm. that changes. Yeah. Cause I got 150 K. Oh my God. Yeah. Imagine. That would be insane. And just the amount of people resharing the stuff Flex puts out and so forth and so on. And I also feel like Flex often discusses kind of more like polarizing and um, stuff mm. sometimes with the, even the reflex game and stuff. And I'm not saying my content isn't polarizing because clearly people have their fucking opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because I'm like, I'm like at 9K on Instagram. So that's like, that's big. It's, that's a lot. I, is it? Yeah, it's a I, lot. I've, I'd, sometimes I don't know if it is or it isn't, but I don't think my volume is at that point. And also like sometimes I, I don't have the the capacity to like fully engage um i'll try to like give it a like 
if it's just whatever whatever kind of comment you mm -hmm. know um and then i might like write back one or two lines depending um i think there was maybe once or twice i actually replied with a voice message because i was in the mood mm. i was like i can expand a little bit here um but that's like kind of rare and i i figure that if i were to be at that like the 150k mark oh my god no way yeah no, no way. way like you literally need uh, you like need to hire time. someone yeah yeah to manage and like. and then it also becomes a thing of like flex has so many other things that actually yeah. make money yeah. and replying to dms is free yeah. <laughs> so yeah Fuck that. <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> well for me it's like mm, yeah i'm gonna reply to you you know it's free Mm. I'm free. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> for I, now. For now. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me too. And like a few months back, uh, like before I got TikTok, I had maybe like just under 1,000 followers, I think. And in how long has it been since September? Six months, maybe? Mm -hmm. Something like that. No longer. Eight months. Um, I've gained a thousand followers, which is like double, which mm. is pretty crazy for me. Cause like I went from, you know, just like making a podcast to then like teaching a philosophy course to then being on TikTok to now like studying software engineering and trying to like make a, like, you know, software engineering design studio business thing. Mm. And I feel like initially whenever anyone would, dm me i'd be like yes like, <laughs> yeah this is the best shit ever like i get to have a conversation and, like i talk to people for ages yeah and then like i guess the wider the pool became like the less frequent like um the less frequent like uh messages would come through that i would want to engage with mm. and like i just start getting really random shit like you know i'm not sure why but recently like a bunch of people have been like how many listens do you get on every podcast episode like, they don't even say hi they're mm. just like asking me about these stats i'm like what the fuck do you want from me like <laughs> who are you yeah you don't know me That's i don't know so you rude. Like, yeah like where's the introduction yeah yeah no if somebody like sends a rude message i also wouldn't i wouldn't engage. Yeah. yeah i've been lucky like so generally my followers are pretty nice or they like ask where something's from. They're like, "Hey, um, where's this from, please?" And like, Aww, just like so nice. things I appreciate like that. But I gotta say, thank you to Flex Mommy for laying that groundwork. Yeah, I know. Because she posted so much about people like being rude on on stories and stuff, and I feel like internet etiquette has improved thanks to that. Yeah, seriously, mm. Flex is like. Flex has done so much. Like she made Crocs mainstream again. I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> yeah. And then fully like the internet etiquette stuff. You're right. Yeah. Like, you know, um, people, people think they can say whatever they want and talk to you and just be like purely extracting in their communication style. Just be like, what's that? Give mm. me this. Give me that. And like forget that, you know, you're a real person or whatever. So, yeah, it's good. It's good that. We, we owe flex. Yeah, <laughs> we owe flex for that. Thanks, Queen. Thanks, Queen. <laughs> um, true. Yeah, one, um, something else I wanted to speak to you about was like your, the way you handle people not agreeing with your content um, and like trolls and stuff. Because I remember seeing a video where you responded to someone who like, I've forgotten what they said, but they said something really awful about like, yeah, about one of the, Nick, you, you know, you were commenting about a suburb and someone yeah. said something that was like completely relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So like how, how has that been for you? Does it like, does it rock you much? Do you feel like, yeah. Does it like hurt getting? It, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does. And it's, it's funny because there's been a few I think I've replied to, but one that kind of got a lot of attention. Um, as someone said, uh, be grateful that we took you in as a refugee. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, that was, the so gist, that was the gist of the comment. And, yeah, it was fucking awful to, oh. like, see that and just 
realize the prejudice coming from that comment because of the way I look. Uh, he assumed I was a refugee. Um, the sentiment that refugees should be grateful, like they owe um, white Australians something. Mm. Um, and just all of that on just the video of me saying people in Turak um, are up their ass. <laughs> like essentially, you know, mm. and, you know, hashtag not all people in Turak, <laughs> but, you know, like it's fine to make generalizations on suburbs that don't attack people, you know, directly, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people get that. And in my reply, I kind of like try to address the things of like, um, first of all, <laughs> have you seen how this country treats refugees? What are, what are they supposed to be grateful for? Like, it's, there's nothing to be grateful for. Um, I mean, also, this is not our land. We're on... Uh, unceded land none of us truly belong here um and yeah just kind of addressing what I thought needed to be addressed like that's how I like to approach it and um there was like another one where they're like oh you know uh St Albans is probably like paradise compared to where you came from and then I'm like actually I'm from Germany um despite of how I look it's a very multicultural place there's people who look like me and lots of other different variations um and also where I grew up there was a fucking castle <laughs> you know like I grew up in like a nice like quaint uh small town and the fact that I'm here um you know it's I'm here because I'm here you're here we're on this country uh again like doesn't belong to us and mm. we're just all trying to um, make that money <laughs> and, mm. and live live that life like live live mm. um and i'm all for everyone to get to do that mm. um but if you come on my tiktok and comment that shit i'm gonna respectfully tear you a new one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah for sure for sure and i think i remember your reply it was like yeah you know, it was, it was amazing. You, you like, you know, explained. And I think like, that's, that's a really hard thing to do. Like when someone, when someone is so vile and so like awful towards you on the internet, it's really easy just to like hit back and like meet them on their level and be like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> like you suck like you look weird like you know whatever say like throw the same level of stuff back at them but then it's like it's a totally different thing when you like walk them through how fucked up their thing is and i think that's like yeah you know you don't see too much of that you don't see too much like serious uh engagement with you know like nasty stuff um, because I imagine a lot of the time it's easier just to be like, mm. like block the person, delete the comment, but like yeah. this never happened. Uh, yeah, I do that sometimes too. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me too. Just even if I don't block or actually delete the comment, I'll just delete the notification mm. so that when I open the app, I don't see it. Mm. And then the nice thing as well about does like tiktok people do go into the comment section and sometimes people fight your fight for you yeah. and i'm like oh my god thank you so much it's so good <laughs> it's so good it's when so good. people kind of like chime in and like have your back and then you like feel the community that you kind of build and it's like it's just kind of rewarding again mm. in a way that i didn't anticipate yeah mm. that's like that's like something that i realized like semi-recently as well that like you know, whenever someone's like, you know, having a go at me, it seems like there are like, not just like a small group, but like a, you know, a medium sized group of people who like have my back, complete strangers. Mm -hmm. And it's sick. Like, you know, someone will say something fucked and then people will be like, like, you should delete your comment. Like you're a fucking idiot. And yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I didn't even have to say this. Like there are people <laughs> who know, like they know that this like this shit shouldn't be here. Mm. Like people like strangers have my back and it's sick. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, is this what Selena feels like? The <laughs> Selena's are the believers. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like our like miniature like D class um, micro internet celebrity niche <laughs> um, fan group. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, true. So let's like maybe we'll we'll shift gears a little bit. Um, so you said you've been in Nam for a number of years now. Mm. Um, and before we went on mic, you said that it it is the place that you feel you will continue returning to in your life. Um, what is it about this city that that makes you feel this way? Mm. Yeah, um, that's a good question because I hadn't actually fully examined the why. Um, it feels good being here. It feels like home now. Um, so like I said, I did grow up in Germany uh, with my mom who passed away. And I just don't want to live in a place where my mom died. So mm. for me, I want to live anywhere but there. If I were to live in Germany, like I could, you know, I could. It's not like it brings me so much pain that I couldn't stand to live there. But also where I grew up is just really small and quaint. And I'm queer and black and loud. Um <laughs> And what feels good about um, living here is just a kind of friendships I've built um, with people who might move away, but I have a feeling are probably also a bit settled in here. And it's a nice, a really nice work-life balance you can create for yourself if you have the right job. Um, and that I currently sort of live in. So for me right now, I'm like, well... Work-life balance is great. Um, also, just the Australian work-life balance in general compared to how Germans work. How do Germans work? <laughs> oh, my God. They're just, like, a lot more serious. And a lot more, <laughs> like, um, even, like, the job I do, I think most people could, could do it. Um, I've, I didn't finish high school. I didn't go to uni. Um, but I've, I've worked at multiple startups and it just, I have experienced that like backs up that I can do what I do. Um, but even just getting a foot in the door would have been a lot harder in Germany because they value formal qualifications a mm. lot more. Um, and I mean, that's the truth here too, for certain roles. Um, but there's also a lot of roles where it doesn't matter while in Germany, um, even in the roles where a formal qualification doesn't matter, it's sort of required. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, or I also briefly lived in, in the UK for like nine months. And yeah, just the wages weren't what they were supposed to then. I think that might have changed, but... It's so shit. It's so shit. <laughs> yeah. And we're like incredibly lucky here to have decent sort of work laws, laws around um, public holiday pay, we have a lot of public holidays here um, and I mean the weather in winter kind of sucks but you can dress up, dress down. Um, a lot, there's a lot of love uh, I have for the city because of how multicultural it is mm. and how you can experience totally different worlds in different suburbs and um, I mean there's gentrification but where isn't <laughs> yeah like, you know so yeah those are just some of my reasons of why i think i'll i'll return mm. yeah well and where, when you lived in the uk were you in london i was mm. yeah did you feel like did you feel like the kind of multiculturalism that we have in in nam and in you know many parts of australia did you feel like the Australian type of multiculturalism is like very different from the British multiculturalism or from the German multiculturalism. What's what's that experience been like? Mm, I do think it's different. Mm. Yeah. Um, I didn't truly feel like I could blend in anywhere until I went to London mm. because you see people of all types of different backgrounds just on the tube you know hailing cabs or whatever it is and um, I hadn't really seen that 
And actually, when I first came to Australia, uh, I was so confused. I was like, oh, my God, everyone is white. Because, mm. um, you know, I didn't know a lot of Australian history coming here. I knew about the stolen generation, but like very basic. Uh, I knew the 12 apostles, Uluru, and the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And in my mind, I, I just expected there to be a bigger Aboriginal population in everyday life. Um, like for example I've only been to New Zealand once but you see Maori people in all types of roles you see them at the bank and at, at the Maccas at the airport and, and driving cabs and like everything while when I was here in Mel- I landed in Melbourne and then like shortly after I went to like Adelaide and Sydney and um, I didn't see a single Aboriginal person you know working those everyday jobs mm. right I didn't see them at a petrol station right to 7-Eleven and I was just like so confused by that um and that doesn't answer the question at all about the multiculturalism but I also think it does mm. because you see people of different backgrounds kind of sometimes just in the pockets where they live and you need to travel to those suburbs and then you're like yes everyone looks like me here or everyone is from a certain place here while um, that's probably still true in the UK or even like in a city like New York, you have pockets of a certain immigrant settling in certain places, but it's a lot more mixed. Mm. And I think Australia is heading that way, um, but we're not there yet. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and like I think your observation about London um, being like a lot more multicultural or feeling a lot more diverse than the Nam, for example. Mm. That's how I felt as well. Mm. I lived there for like nine, ten months and then I had to come back because of COVID. And, you know, I'd always in my mind been like, you know, this city where I was raised is like the the example of multiculturalism <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And then, you know, like I guess the more time I spent my dad's North African and you know, like I met his family for the first time in 2017. And that was like, yeah, like a, a like psychological revolution for me because I was like, I've never really seen people like who look a lot like me before. Yeah. Like, and how strange is that? Yeah. It's like the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. I um, I went to the Dominican Republic, which is like an island nation. And like pretty much everyone looks like me there. It's a very mixed place. Um, people are different shades of brown and black. And like walking around, people just didn't notice me because I like blended in on like another level. People thought I was from there. And I was like, oh my God, this is what white people feel like all the time. Yeah. You, you, you feel like this all the time and you still have depression. How? Yeah. I don't understand. If I looked around and like people just, because oh. you, know, you know that question of like, where are you from? Mm. It, it's a fine question. I understand why it's necessary sometimes, but it also makes, it just means you need to defend or explain your existence in that space. Mm. And that's energy you could use towards other things. And if I had that energy, oh, the things I would do. I know, know? I know. If like, yeah, you're so right. Like imagine, imagine walking around this city and being like, everyone looks like me. Mm. Like this, like this person here could be my sibling. Yeah, that's my cousin. Yeah, that's my cousin. (laughs) Yeah, like literally I went to Noosa a few months ago. I Mm. drove up and I was like, every single person here looks like they're related mm-hmm. like there's literally this it looks like someone like literally whoever made the universe like got their computer up and they were like noosa like copy paste copy paste <laughs> and they like literally did that again and again yeah it's like it's amazing like you wouldn't even have to think about imagine the kind of like as you said you wouldn't there would be like very little reason for you to question your identity because everyone looks like your family mm-hmm. everyone looks the same all the like little like babies with their like bleached blonde like dreadlock like sun-kissed <laughs> hair like they're running around and stuff and like everyone's got nice cars and shit like yeah it'd be 
it's a different universe. It, it really is. And yeah. like, I feel like sometimes you comment on those things and people are like, oh, like, are you against it? No, I'm not. I'm, it's fine that there's little bleach bond cute babies on the beach in Noosa living their precious little lives um, growing up with the people who look like them. But I think it's just like acknowledging that that's a privilege mm. that people have a problem with. Mm. And I'm, I'm not saying you can't um, live that life, but just acknowledge for a second more than a second ideally that there's people who don't have that experience mm. and we have to deal with freeing up that extra processing power power to uh justify our existence and it's fucking exhausting mm. Mm. yeah it is it's so exhausting and like like one thing that has been like you know especially exhausting for me has been like seeing the experience of my parents as like migrants like literally first generation migrants seeing like their you know especially my dad who is like a lot darker than me like you know speaks with an accent like looks he looks like very out of place he lives in Hawthorne <laughs> and like yeah you know he does not he looks like you know he's very out of place in Hawthorne and like seeing being with him in public and like you know, he's very sensitive to being racialized and being like, you know, seen as different. And like, you know, he thinks that everyone sees him as different. And like being around that um, has had like a very big impact on the way that I, you know, the way that I like interpret people like looking at me or people asking me things. Like, I think it's it's become very hard for me to like receive a compliment from anyone who's white. Because I'm like, you know, why are you profiling me? Like, why are you looking at me like that? Like, yeah. I'm just a person. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, I always like make jokes about people commenting on my hair, but like literally every time a white person is like, oh my God, like, you know, like, did you get a perm? Mm. Like, did you like, you know, do you curl it every day? I'm like, what the fuck? Who has the time? Yeah. Who has the time? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I curl my hair every day for you. Yeah. Yeah. I do it for you. <laughs> insane yeah yeah it's nuts um but yeah you know like bringing this back to london i felt like for a number of reasons i felt like a lot less anxious in london mm. like partly because i didn't like know anyone but also because like you know i didn't feel like as much of a minority mm -hmm. there. yeah it's a it's true like when you don't feel like a man when you feel like a part of either a totally mixed group or part of a majority oh it's such a good feeling mm. and like i un i understand now how i'm i'd be feeling at my ideal you know scenario um and yeah you kind of get it in the u i, I mean i got it in the u.s as well like being mm. in the u.s um didn't feel safe <laughs> by any means but it it felt like people thought I belonged there until I started to speak with my accent. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, where are you from? But it's like in a, in a sort of endearing way, mm. you know, like um, I worked for a U.S. company and I went over there for some training um, and they all thought I was part of the local cohort rather than the Australians who got flown in for training. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would speak and I'd be like, um, and how is this going to work in Australia? And one of the... Like Leeds was like, oh, okay, that's why you sound like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even think I sound that Australian. I still have like some kind of accent, but it was funny. Wow, yeah. that is really funny. <laughs> wow. What was, um, where did you go in America? Um, so that particular trip, I was in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, but I've been, also been to New York and LA. So, mm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've never, I've never been um to the states but maybe one day um we were an hour oh my gosh that has flown by <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how are you how are you going i'm good i mean it's like totally up to you i'm happy to talk more if you yeah know. yeah um hmm i feel like we've covered covered like everything yeah we covered a lot about. yeah yeah. Cool. yeah well thank you thanks thank so you. much no, for your time this is like me. what a what a treat seriously <laughs> no, i'm so a, glad like a good conversation yeah and you know when you 
uh, asked to be like on a podcast it's always a thing of been on like a podcast a few months ago and I left it being like oh my god that was awful <laughs> <laughs> like why did I do this to myself I hope they're listening <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it <laughs> but um and then I was like oh my god I hate I hate podcasts why am I doing this and then like today I'm like this was a nice conversation and I feel like there's value in it Aww. and it's a good feeling whoa mm. thank you for saying that that means so much to me Hopefully we can chat again sometimes. Absolutely, let's do it. Whoa. Aww.